This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Creature Feature, a new comedy and educational podcast from How Stuff Works, hosted by Katie Golden. Check it out on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Probably Science. Hey everyone, we're back together, it's Probably Science, welcome. It's happening. That's Andy Wood, I'm Matt Kirshen. We are finally back in the same city, the same country even. It's, it's been six weeks, we just figured out. We've been traveling a lot. We backed, we, we backed up a few episodes and then I, I banked a couple while I was traveling and Andy did one last week and I didn't, clearly hadn't listened didn't to... Didn't listen what, to all of the ones you had done in their entirety, I have you, to admit. A couple of listeners pointed out that we both covered the same story. <laughs> I haven't done a, an apples-to-apples apples comparison to see who did it better. I haven't heard from listeners who did it better, but... Um, but there we go. That happened. Yeah. Probably not going to happen again today. Uh, Guest this week, someone I've wanted on the show for ages, but he's always in New York, and even more so now he has twins. But great comedian, performer, warm-up guy for Fallon, for Yonks, runner of one of my favorite shows in New York, it's Seth Herzog. Hi, guys. Welcome, welcome Sciences. Thank you for joining us. I'm so psyched to be here. I'm psyched to be in LA. I'm psyched to be working with you guys, hanging out, yeah, chatting, I, talking science. I should have added occasional member of the roots. I am. I am like I'm like the tenth root. <laughs> I sing with them every day at the show, and now I go on tour with them a little bit and perform Surreal. around the country. Well, they do these these shows where they have a bunch of other performers sing one or two numbers, and they're like the backing band. Okay, so they need MC for that. So I will host those nights that are like three hours long, and there's like twelve performers. That's a grueling but fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's it goes by really fast because sure. I have because everyone's doing one or two songs, so I have to be ready to go every five seconds to get back out there. And you, you don't get to sing anything? I do. They, I rap uh, Express Yourself from the NWA version. I do one verse. And I'll rap um, You Got Soul, the Eric B. and Rakim version. And then at the Tonight Show, we don't do this on the road. We do um, Wars, um, Big Brother, Little Brother. It's an old... I don't know. It, it's a somewhat well-known, but it's an old like R&B song from like the 70s. And they started doing it, and I they realized I didn't know the words, so they started making me sing it. They know I don't know it. Awesome. Just so they would laugh, and I would just make up words. But now I learned it, and then we do it all the all the time. But they've still made made me the singer. Yeah, you are you are a talented MC. I don't know if you remember, but I think the last time we saw each mm-hmm. other was maybe six years ago when I was really? visiting New York, and I I stopped in. Wait, was this? It was one of the last times I saw you mm-hmm. uh, at at Sweet, mm-hmm. your long running show. Yeah. Yep. At the slipper room? No, what's it called? The slipper room is yeah. where I was. We just we just left the slipper room. Oh, okay. We're but, no longer there, but I was there for 14 years. I was in the audience, and I was picked at random by an up-and-coming young lady by the name of Bridget Everett. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she. That's right. You just came by to say hi, and Bridget Everett pulled you on stage. That's and, right. And molested me. And, and molested you on she, stage. She grinded on me. I she, At the end, we, we were, she made me do the airplane thing where yes. you push someone up that's with right. your feet, yes, and yes, I, yes. I failed at it. <laughs> That's right. I wasn't trying to. But you're was, super in shape, which is amazing I that you really failed at it. I was disappointed. There's a video of it. I'll post a link to it. Yeah. She <laughs> pulled my shirt off. Um, she spat Chardonnay in my mouth. It was great. It was, yeah. it was an experience. That's her whole thing. <laughs> she is quite the performer. She is quite the performer. You don't, You never, when you meet Bridget, you never forget it. No. <laughs> yeah. Now, Spunk is now like movie star Bridget Everett. Right. Yeah. 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 As she's she should huge be. Now. She's, she's the real deal. Does she yeah. still do shows, shows like that? She does. Uh, I, I try to get her still do my show she's way too busy and kind of you know busy with stuff but she does do a regular show at joe's pub oh cool with all new material 
all new songs, all new stories. So all through December, she was doing a new show at Joe's Pub. So she's still around New York showing up here and there. Yeah. And then she keeps popping up in more shows. I just saw her yeah. on Camping on HBO. She's on Camping. Yeah. She's one of the stars. You know? well, there's yeah. Also, your show. whenever I've done your show, there's always been like weird, famous people in the audience. You, yeah. have, a, you have a surprising number of just odd connections. Yeah. A like, lot of just like random people I know through different connections. Because like, if you do it for so long, people are like, I got to go. And then they eventually show up. Yeah. Like I, in the audience. I did it once and Parker Posey was in the crowd. And she the, comes a lot. And then... <laughs> The first time I did your show, which was a decade ago, uh, I was I was chatting to someone who was sort of a f- heckling from the sides, but officially from a mic mm-hmm. uh, and messing around. And, and like, I was chatting to him as well. It turns out, and he was an actor who had been in a film with a friend of mine mm-hmm. back in England, and we got chatting about that. And then he showed up a couple of years later as Tyrion on Game of Thrones. Oh, oh crazy! Yeah. Pete and I are old friends, and he used to, yeah, because I, I have a co-host at Suite, who's often a lot of like celebrity friends who are funny, but I don't want to put them on stage to do a set. Yeah. Like, it's too much pressure. They wouldn't be able to do that. But they're funny enough that I have them off stage as a co-host, and they just sit there with a mic and make fun of me. Yeah. But Pete did it a lot before uh, Game of Th- Game of Thrones. He was a co-host a bunch of times. Wow. Again, before yeah. he became like movies, multiple Emmy award winner. Multiple Emmy awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't know him from uh, like the Station Agent. Or, the Station uh, Agent. That's when he. That was his big break, really. Yeah. I think the Station and Agent. Elf well, and tons of stuff. I think that, that was the film that he was in with a friend of mine. I'm oh, okay. remember. So who's that? That's who's like your? Who's ago. your That's bud? Andy Nyman. Oh, I don't know. Who? Let me check which film that was. Uh, but over the years, we've had a lot of um, celebs doing this different weird bits and sketches and. I had Rockwell did a bunch. Sam Rockwell's done like five or six sketches over the over the, the years. In fact, there's a great one we did at Sundance together that's on YouTube that someone taped um, where Rob Corddry was my co-host and Sam and him and I were all in the same movie that was at Sundance. So Rob and I, I was doing my show, Rob was on and Sam was just in the, in the uh, crowd. But we wrote the sketch where I talk about how, we talk about what a jerk's... Uh, Sam Rockwell is both mm-hmm. Robin and I like he's the worst he's the biggest <laughs> asshole he's and then we're like let's tell like we each have a story about him that what a jerk he was so we pick someone at random to play us as we play Sam so we pick <laughs> Sam out of the audience but we're oblivious that it's him that's sort of the bit it's like what's your name who are you all right fine so I'm gonna play Sam Rockwell you play me <laughs> and then we do this whole thing where he's a jerk <laughs> it was pretty funny um, it awesome. was it was a death at a funeral was the oh, death at funeral was the film that yes Pete was in that was um that was the black version that Pete was in he was in both versions he was in the English version and the American version yeah and this was the British version which Frank Oz directed mm-hmm. uh, but oh and also um, uh, Justin Long was that the heckler from the side when he's I he's done show it also. a lot too yep. over the over the years in fact he does a really funny Sam impression in fact we did a bit once where I had Justin backstage. And I would, we were calling Sam, but it was just Justin on a mic backstage because he does his voice perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin Long actually does incredible, um, uh, all kinds of voices. He does, oh, yeah? he does McConaughey perfectly. He does Michael J. Fox perfectly. Like he's quite the mimic. That's like, I love that. a good Michael J. Fox impression. Yeah. Or anything that's not just the standard, you know, walk in and, uh... Yeah. Yeah. He does Vince Vaughn really well. Yeah. That's not a normal, that's no, not part yeah. of the normal impressionist repertoire. No, no, exactly. Yeah. It's really good. 
he did a, a masterful uh, impression of a walrus in uh, Tusk, oh, which yeah, I just Tusk. saw yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's every bit as bizarre as it sounded like it was. Have you seen that, Matt? No, I haven't. What is it? It's, it's actually, it's kind of based on a podcast. It's based on a thing that Kevin Smith was talking about in a podcast, this stor- story about a classified ad someone placed where... Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I, I am... Uh, it's a friend of a friend is the one who placed that ad and ended oh, up being... It's... Yeah, ended up being a, like a got a producer credit on the film because and they that. didn't know that it was a comedian it was they discovered it and thought it was an actual quirky guy who wants a stranger to come over and dress as a, as a live as a walrus in yeah house. but it's this it guy in brighton comedy. who likes to place weird things as sort of a semi-comedy semi-art yeah. piece yeah fast forward to justin long <laughs> having in a, a movie. skin suit made of walrus <laughs> exactly exactly he's proud of that film i i uh here it's great i feel bad i've not seen it I think it's on Netflix. I think yeah. it's some, somewhere viewable to most people's... Uh, it looks there. like it is. Check it out. I mean, if you want to be... It's disturbing. But uh, yeah. yeah. Seth. Yes. W- before we get into the stories, we like to ask our guests, what, if anything, is your background in science? <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's ranged from like I, a teacher that I liked at school, or I blew stuff up in the woods with my friends, or right. a teacher that I hated. I'm a, I'm, I love science. I'm a big curious science person my dad is a chemical engineer okay so we grew up in a lot of science in the house um i you know all through school i took ap chem i took physics did you pass the ap test i don't think i even took it (laughs) (laughs) i think i took ap chem because if you do well in the ap class colleges would be like oh he got an a in the ap class i didn't even take the test i didn't even care care about it um but i yeah i um I did a lot of science, like as a kid, but and I follow it and read about it. And but growing up in um, Princeton, Jersey, where I'm from, mm-hmm. there's a lot of math and science people around. A lot of parents are math and science people, so it's just in discussion a lot. Presumably, like, Princeton, Jersey is yeah. where Princeton University yes, is. Yes, exactly. Right. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are others. Yes, Princeton, New Jersey is where the school is. And there's <laughs> a lot of in- like in- uh, intellectuals in town and. That you're just always bumping up against. Employed by the school? When we first moved there. Okay. Only only for a short period of time. We first moved there, and dad was working for like a, he was director of like a chemical engineering consulting firm. And that that was funded by the, maybe it was a research group that was funded by the university and in a university owned building. But then it got disbanded five years later. But, and then he moved to Arco in the World Trade Center. Oh. Yeah, he worked in the World Trade Center for a long time. This is not the story. Isn't ending in a. In a I'm not heading no, towards a landmine. Left, I didn't know about. Okay, he left okay. by like the 90s. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard every chemical engineer got a phone call <laughs> from a from a Jew friend. <laughs> um, yeah, so so we just stayed in town, even though my we only had to be there for a couple of years. But we loved the town so much, we just stayed. It seems like a very nice place. It's I've a great town to grow through, up. But uh, yeah, so was there any pressure to follow in your dad's footsteps? Zero. They, they're they're proud of you. Yeah, I was acting since I was like uh, third, fourth grade. Okay, like in doing like little professional shows in town and like oh no shit. They knew that that was n- I was never going to be a scientist. Well, your mom comes to the sweet show. On the My radio. mom oh, <laughs> lives in town. It lives in in Manhattan, and she comes to my comedy show almost every week. And I do an interview with her at some point in the show, and I never know what she's going to say, what she's going to talk about. She's very good at making up songs on the spot, which I make her do a lot, especially when we can't think of anything else to talk about. And But often she'll have like an issue or something bugging her. Uh-huh. Like years ago, she was like, uh, you, know who, you know who I don't like this week? The Cripples. I'll tell you why. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> she had an issue with people in wheelchairs, and she explained this whole story about how they, they were, uh, got in her way, and she had to like get them out of the way. It was a whole hilarious story. 
And and it's worth pointing out, she's not the most mobile of people. No, she's not mobile at all. <laughs> not at all. One of my favorite things, and this is on online too. I put this clip online. She showed up and she's been watching a lot of daytime TV. Mm-hmm. So she goes, do you ever watch the Maury show? I go, yeah, watch the Maury. She goes, I'm going to do a whole episode. So she did in like five minutes, she did all the parts. And she did a whole Maury episode where she plays the woman, the mother, the guy who she thinks is the father, and Maury. <laughs> It's really she's funny. selling the different voices pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Right. We'll have to link funny. to that in the show notes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, you also... I've, I've forgotten about you as the young performer because I was I did your show once mm-hmm. and the thing you did in the middle was to show clips of your bar mitzvah oh, yeah. video. Yeah. I, I have a great bar mitzvah video and I show clips of it occasionally at the show because they're hilariously embarrassing. And it's, you narrate it, it and... Uh, it's interminable. And I say that with love. <laughs> like, There's so, one... Song and dance? Yeah, yeah, lots of song and dance. You were a very... You were a kid who very much needed to perform. Yes, yes. There's one clip that I <laughs> show no a lot at shows it. that is so cringeworthy. And as soon as I was I was transferring the VHS to a DVD recently, mm. and that's when I realized, I was like, oh my God, this clip is so cringeworthy. And then it hit me, I have to show everyone. So then I show it, and I sort of go through it, like moment by moment, what's going on. It's pr- pretty oh, funny. God, I, you're braver than I. Yeah. I've, I've found some videos like that recently. I'm like, nope, this is never going anywhere. This is only for my consumption. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even like, I, I've got videos of some of my very early stand-up sets, yeah. and I can't... I could never show them to other people. If I've ever watched them, I've had to have... What I do is I, I turn the volume on really low, and I stand a long way away from the screen, so at any moment, I can just sort of cover my ears, look to one side, and make a noise. So I just, like, shut oh, it out. I can't even watch myself do stand-up. I can't. I can't right. watch it. Yeah, I have uh, 10... However many years? 13 years of... Uh iPhone voice memos. Mm-hmm. Why did I record all those? I'm not going to go back and listen to a set from 2006. Like, what is... <laughs> but every so often it's useful. Is well, it? It's good to have your archive. The Andy Wood archive. No, no, no. Nothing's... And especially, like, looking back on things that were, like, trending at the time that are, like, not problematic now, but I'm like, oh, I, w- I would never touch that topic right oh, now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Like, not that I was trying to do, like, Sarah Silverman stuff, but you know, right, there are just right. some things I was like, why even, why even talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> Not productive. I know. Yeah. Oh, speaking of stand up, yep. yeah, Matt, what did you think about uh, doing? Did you, you did stand up in Malaysia and other places? I did stand up. I, I and Singapore, but I played Singapore before. Malaysia was fun. They've got a good young scene. Wow. Oh, I say young scene. They've been you know, there's so Harith Iskander, who was on the mm-hmm. show two ep- two episodes ago, mm-hmm. is the as we talked in the show is like their first comic, right? And he was basically showing up at private parties and going like, I will perform here or whatever, or getting booked for these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess what we described as a corporate, but there was just, there wasn't any alternative. It's just like, right. this is this what is, you do. This is yeah. a guy who would talk. And after a while, people would realize that that's the whole act and go like, oh, he's funny, but when's the act going to start? Like that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but now there's a scene that's been going for about 10 plus years. So there are comics who are like the second generation who are 10 plus years in and really know that know what they're doing and they're great. Mm-hmm. So and I, there's a whole culture of people showing up to a space where there's a stage and a mic. I everywhere. think there's two comedy clubs in Kuala Lumpur and probably some other clubs around the country or at least comedy nights around the country. But there's right. two. One is the one that I play, the Joke Factory, that Harith runs, that he opened recently. And there's another one that I can't remember. Could the think name. of anything better in Malaysia than Joke Factory? I know, right? <laughs> See, Jesus it's a young Christ. scene. It's a yeah. young scene. But that's a that's a cool room. It's, that's a smaller room. The other one's bigger. I can't remember the name of the other one now. But that one, the Joke Factory, feels like a New York club. It's right. got that kind of shallow but wide room. Yep. yep. That with 
that they can pack people into. Cool. And they're all pretty exciting. There are comics who do it in just English and comics who do it in just Malay. And there are comics who sort of do a hybrid. That's amazing. Jumping between the two languages. I've been uh, flipping through the Netflix, uh, whatever that stand-up around the world thing is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yes. picking out people from yes. non-English-speaking countries to see their acts and, uh-huh. you know, it's subtitles, but then they'll always have some English sprinkled throughout. It's an interesting mix of... Yeah. Uh, I forgot who I was watching, but um, the, the words that you wouldn't think someone would go to English for, like, oh, that's that's the word you do in English? Yeah. Well, there's, maybe they don't have a version of it. Oh, yeah. And every language seems to have versions of it, like there's Spanglish, which is Spanish and English. Right. And there's yeah. a, like, I think... Malayish. There is. I can't remember what it's called, what the, what the actual word is for it, but they right. have various, uh, like, hybrid yeah. mm-hmm. versions of the two languages. There's I did a Chinese comedy one. in um, Amsterdam recently, which has a great scene. They're really into comedy there. Did you there. play Tumla? I did, which was the best it's club. A fun gig, isn't it? It's like the real, like, young people who are comedy fanatics go to this club, the Tumla. And I had done the comedy cafe the same night. Okay, I've never played that room. but Very the- different vibe. The Tumla is run and operated by a consortium of the comics. It's sort of like a yeah, comedy a union that runs. Yeah, yeah like a co-op. Yeah. Is. Cool. So they run it themselves. and Half the comics are performing in Dutch and half the comics in English. Yep. And in fact, the night I did it, I think I was the only one in doing English. Yeah. But the audience didn't care. They they speak fluently, both of them. The Dutch they laugh just as much. Generally speak such ridiculously good English. Ridiculously good English, yeah. And isn't but, that where like Seth Meyers cut his teeth at like yes. Boom, Boom Chicago, Chicago which, which is, is still there? Yeah, yeah loads of um, friend of the sh- past guest of the show, Lauren Flans, was a Boom Chicago person. Yeah, uh, loads of um, Jordan Peele was Boom Chicago. Oh, really? In Amsterdam, yeah. And that's still around. Yeah, they yeah, still, still it's goes. Like a, just a regular improv show of They've Americans. They've got a theater just on the I think it's the Lights Plane. Is that how you pronounce it? It's actually right in the same building that the Comedy Cafe is in. Oh, okay. It's I the thought they were building. kind of opposite each other. Oh, I, or next door. They're certainly around the same. In I the same, the same ticket ticket booth, even. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. So anyway, I did, I did the comedy cafe, which was fun, but it was I don't know, just feel like felt like angry tourists. <laughs> right. Like, no one was really into the show, but it was packed. Right, because it it's right in the square. Yeah. So Whereas Tumler is a little bit off. It's like way in the city. You got. It's in find the basement it. of the Hilton Hotel, yeah. which is the hotel where Lennon and Yoko Ono did their loving. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that was Amsterdam. Hang on, wait, wait, was that the right... Am I getting that right? They did uh, something there. Sure. Wait a second, I'm going to look this up while we talk about other but things. But the vibe of the tomb was one of the greatest comedy vibes, because it's run by comics. They treat everyone really well. The audience was just so into everything. Nice. It was great. We- uh, speaking of comedy abroad, Matt and I just got some news. Actually, by the time this comes out... Yeah, it was. Well- it was where they did the bed-in for peace, which was... Oh, wow. That was in the Hilton yeah. in Amsterdam, which is yeah. above Tumla. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think by the time this comes out, we will have dropped a mini episode announcing this, but we just found out that we're, the Australia tour is on. We're it's doing, on. We're happy you guys are going to Australia. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We just, uh, Michael Smout, uh, a faithful and loyal listener up in Cairns has been working on, uh, figuring out some way to, to get some, uh, Australian government money to help underwrite the trip. Yeah, of course. So is it, is of it course. government or is it just, is it private or it's, whatever it is, it's some kind of grant Science hey, outreach, yeah. Science outreach, exactly. Which science we science outreach, community, I love it. Uh, science community building, anyhow. Right. So it's it's happening, and now we're scrambling to make this happen because it's probably going to be starting in about three weeks. So details to come, but um, follow us on Twitter at Probably Science for updates. And um, yeah, as always, listeners in any part of Australia, just reach out to us that way or email probablyscience at gmail if you just want to let us know that you are up for coming to shows it's probably going to be limited to the eastern half of the country but, yeah uh, i i th- east like south and east i yeah. think i would love to try and get to perth but that is five hours from any other city it's yeah officially perth is, perth the, is the loneliest 
Strangest city in the world. I've never been to Perth. It's meant to be beautiful and great. Sure. It's it's statistically the most remote big a, city yes. in the world. Yes, it's like, like it's like if there was San Francisco and then nothing until Boston. Jesus. That's how far away from everything it is. And it's not as big as I thought. I remember looking it up and being surprised that it's not like is it just like a couple hundred thousand? I don't know. Or something? I don't know. It's certainly near to various Asian countries than it is to any other Australian city. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm surprised it still exists. <laughs> if you're in Perth, but we apologize. I would, <laughs> I would love to get there. We, we're going to see if we can and if we can make it work. But it's definitely trickier than any of the yeah, other cities yeah. where we can just sort of hop up the coast. Yeah. The other ones are surprisingly... Yeah, I can't believe Closer the internal each, each flight's other. like $80 to get from yeah. like Sydney to Brisbane and stuff. Yeah, because like, it's not that far. It's just an hour. It's, there's not no even. flights in the US for $80. You can't fly from here to San Francisco for $80. Can you not? Mm, I don't think so. You might be able to go to from DC to New York. Oh, maybe there's stuff on the East Coast because yeah. of all that. But yeah. also, they've, you've, there's less admin and shit. Like, there are security. They don't... I was made When you're flying... When I flew from Sydney to Adelaide last... In December mm-hmm. to do the shows out there. And Craig Egan, who runs the venue in Adelaide, booked my flight. Hey, Craig, how's it going? <laughs> uh... Uh, but he booked it under the name of Matt Kirshen, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, oh shit, Matthew. is that gonna be? Right. Is that gonna be a problem? It shouldn't be because the ticket will say Kirshen slash Matt, and it just looks like it's cut it off, so oh, it should be okay." Right, 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 right. And I asked my sister, who lives in Australia, about it. She went, "I don't think they check names really. I think <laughs> you'll be fine." And then she was right. I at no point took out any form of ID. Really? Yeah, my ticket could have said Mickey Mouse on it, and it would have. That's... Yeah, because they never asked what your name was. I could have passed the ticket to any you other. You never person. showed a passport or a driver's license. I never showed any form of identification. Are I we... just showed the ticket. Are we giving terrorists wow. ideas right now? Should we not be yeah. publicizing this? Fucking... Yeah, don't go to Australia, terrorists. Don't, don't <laughs> listen to this podcast. That's that. Every every. I love the idea of all these terrorists listening to this podcast. They're like, finally a clue. <laughs> oh, I've got a plan. <laughs> But then I was asking, how do you maintain um, security between countries that like we can't let somebody in that airspace into our airspace if they haven't gone through that? But you're saying international terminals are... Yeah, if you fly internationally, then you do need to... It's a system. different deal. When I, right. when I left Australia and flew out of it, I then had to go through a passport control thing. Yeah. But just flying Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, whatever, it was none of that. But, I, you know, they have the right idea considering... If you fly from Boston to to New York, you have to have a driver's license to get on the plane. Uh-huh. But you could get on a train for the same amount of time, and I mean, no one asks you for ID. That's the all the post nine eleven security stuff has just been like closing the barn door after the horse is out. Like yeah. it's just to make us yeah. feel better. But like obviously, again, not to give terrorists ideas, but there are tons of crowded places you can go with explosive devices that would do yeah. as much damage as yeah. taking out a plane would. It's, exactly. It's silly. And like also, everyone knows that. Now that everyone knows, the main thing of 9-11 was knowing that there are hijackers who don't actually want to land because that was the paradigm shift. Before that, yes. everyone in the plane yes. is like, well, they have demands. They yes. want to live. Like, yes. Now you know they don't. That's going to change everything. Even without having the locked doors to the cockpit, people in the plane right. are like, well, we know we're going to die, so we're going to fight. Yeah. You know, like that's right. the difference. And that alone stops that same thing from happening. Everything else is just like taking our shoes off for what? What are we doing? Right. But the train thing is a thing that, that I can't believe they haven't looked at or stopped or anything. Like, there's no, like, there's security, no security for trains. All? Yeah. Well, well I zero. remember being surprised when I took Eurostar for the first time that they, you do have to go through security. You have to go through an x-ray. But I'd left a pen knife, like just a little uh, Swiss Army knife in my bag. And I was like, oh, shit, I left it in there just thinking it was airport security. And then, I, and then they waved me on through and I realized... Oh yeah, you can't really hijack a train with a knife. Like, what are you gonna? You can't tell them to like. All right, 
Take, Take me to Libya. Let's reverse. Exactly. You really, unless you've got control of the switching as well, you've yeah. really only got forwards and backwards. It's a binary sort of, yeah, yeah. Speed up. Slow down. <laughs> it never occurred to me until right now. Yeah. 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 Hijack a train. Yeah. That's a funny sketch. I like that. <laughs> Take me I'm there. I'm hijacking this train to where it's going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But quicker. <laughs> Step on it, see? <laughs> it's just Edward G. Robinson guy. Isn't yeah, exactly. Damn. He's from the 30s. He has a pen knife. <laughs> That's a good sketch. I yeah. would watch it. Uh, should we get into some stories? Let's get Let's some science. Do I'm it, excited Andy. about this. We've had some stuff go down. Um, we haven't... So I want to make sure. In neither of your episodes, did you discuss Ultima Thule yet? I did discuss okay, it, but okay. it hadn't happened at the time of recording. Okay. So at the time of recording, my, I, the last one I did with, was with Harith, and that was before I left Malaysia on a, around the 20th of December. And it was the first. It was the it was first January when day. it flew by. January day. New Year's Day. I know words. Uh, we finally reached Ultima Thule, the New Horizons probe that we talked about <laughs> at length in the past that shot past Pluto, uh, has now passed Ultima Thule, an icy world four billion miles from the sun. Wow. Which it turns out looks like a big snowman, as people have probably seen pictures of. How big is it? Is it planet size or just object size? Twenty-one miles in the longest snowman direction. Okay, so that's sort of what Manhattan size. Yeah, it's twelve miles, miles, so it's maybe twice Manhattan. Two like, Manhattan, like, like, like Manhattan in the Bronx. And uh, yeah, what kind of gravity would that have? You think? I'm sure nothing to speak of. Almost right. Very. Yeah, I think if you were to sort of land on it, you would feel next to nothing yeah what is the um it's it in orbit of some sort it's in someone's orbit or I mean, is it it's just in the, floating by it's in the kuiper belt and it's uh, orbiting the sun i'm not sure what kind of shape orbit it has but uh, all right so it's in an orbit like way outside of the sun yeah it's uh right what did i just say eight eight million four eight, four billion, four billion no, eight miles million, four billion that's a lot more so wow it, it is the largest or it's the farthest away body we've ever passed correct correct with one I of guess. our devices yeah I mean, they've never been to the, that belt before, have they? Well, I mean, Voyager, if I'm correct, Voyager is the farthest away thing that humans have ever created, right? That's farther out than that. We just didn't have control of it to like direct it past things to look at when it's, let me see. But is it still away. transmitting pictures? Um, well, I mean, it wouldn't have pictures of anything uh, at this point because there aren't, space is mostly empty. And I think it's just kind of, right. let me see, farthest away human made thing. It's got to be Voyager 1, right? I think it's Perth. Oh, it's Perth. Poor Perth. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. The most distant human-made object is Voyager, which is over 13 billion miles from Earth. Wow. It was launched back in 77. And that has that gold record on it that has, like, Chuck Berry and pictures oh, of a male right. and female body. and uh, It's got a um, like a time capsule for the aliens. Exactly, yeah, yeah. If they can figure out record player technology. Uh, yeah, what a weird thing to send a vinyl record out there. Oh, it's not vinyl. It's actually made of gold. Oh, it's made of it's gold. But it has the, grooves? Uh, yeah, it's a playable record. Let me see. I'll show you a picture. They're going to think all our records are gold records. <laughs> they all went gold. <laughs> there are, are there plenty of places online you can also listen to all of the tracks that are on the gold record. I'm trying to, while you're talking about this, I'm trying to look for the massive Ultima Thule so I can, this, to, so we can work this is what out it looks, This is the record they weigh. sent? This, this is what it looks like? This is on the side of, uh, of Voyager, yeah. It's, uh, one second, let me put this up on the screens for a second. So the side of Voyager is the record you could play? You have to take it off? Oh no, there it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's sitting, here's a, 
so the, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's literally on the exterior of Voyager. Is it encased or something, or it's just out there in the elements? Well, it doesn't. I guess it's sort of out in the elements because it doesn't really. It's going to get warped. <laughs> They're not going to be able to play it on their patrollers <laughs> space. And then what? Are, on one side there are these drawings, and I used to know what all these signified, but um, but they they each demonstrate various sort of universal constants. Yeah. And None of this is directions on how to build a record player, though, correct? <laughs> right. They're just like, these are science things that we know you'll have to understand as well, and we want you to know that we get it. Well, at the very least, it shows a, it shows an intelligence, mm-hmm. because it's, they are specific things. It has pictures including a woman in a supermarket, uh, humans drinking, licking, and eating as modes of feeding. Wow. I forgot about the pictures. So wait, are those those are encoded somehow as an analog format? I didn't know Carl Sagan suggested "Here Comes the Sun," but EMI, uh, who had the copyright, declined. <laughs> <Dicks>. <laughs> We're sending your song out to space, but the only thing that'll ever ever survive. Yeah. Uh, how much are you going to pay for it? <laughs> Even literally, the concept of space cannot afford the Beatles. <laughs> Oh wait, that's been debunked. Hold on a second. Yeah, Tim Ferriss says it's, uh, it didn't. It didn't actually happen. Is that Tim Ferriss of? Uh... Yeah. No, different Tim. Ferriss. Oh, different Tim Ferriss. Yeah. All right. It looks like we currently don't know the massive ultimate Okay. And that this is one of the things that we'll hopefully discover as more and more data starts to come in because this is a thing. So we got the first images through a couple of days after the flyby. Oh, mm-hmm. or the, was it either the day or the, a couple of days after? But over the next year and a half, two years, you're going to get more and more images slowly coming through and more and more data slowly coming through. From the belt or from this? From, from this image. So it flew by right. in, a, in a matter of seconds, but they're constantly taking images and constantly taking data. But it takes a huge amount of time to then send to upload all that information because it's how many billions of you? Four. Four billion miles. It's four billion it's miles away. It's not just the distance. It's also just the fact that the data stream is so... The bandwidth is so narrow. Like, it can't yeah. send right. much data at once. So it's this so. extremely narrow bandwidth, and it's effectively like trying to send something across like wife. Like fax in 1978. Yeah, exactly. From four billion... Yeah, miles away. Or is it kilometers? But either way, it's a long, long way away. So it's interesting. So this is... So there was no other body in the belt that was as big as this? This was the biggest thing? I think it was just the fact that they there isn't so much control over its trajectory at this point. So I believe that's true. Like fuel-wise, so it was already shooting past Pluto. So they just scrambled to see if there was anything else sort of in oh, the that was vicinity the closest thing. they could aim it towards just to look at one more thing before this thing is uh, just gone beyond any... Right. I think that's the case. What right, did man? they discover about... Um, you know, Pluto? P- Pluto, yeah. Would there anything it, fun? It was a lot, um, lot smaller than we thought. Is that true or not? I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we'd, we'd never seen... I think that, yeah, the most we'd seen before that was just a, a blip. So we just saw detailed pictures of its surface and uh, saw that it has this heart-shaped... Um, lake or something? Frozen lake? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's ever... Was there evidence Here we of go. water? NASA.gov's article, t- New Horizons Top 10 Discoveries at Pluto. Okay, here we go. Here we go. They have discovered the complexity of Pluto's and its satellites is far beyond what we expected. The degree of current activity on Pluto's surface and the youth of some surfaces on Pluto are simply astounding. That is a scientific word, astounding. Astounding. Pluto's atmospheric hazes and lower than predicted atmospheric escape rate upended all of the pre-flyby models. Charon, that's Pluto's moon, enormous equatorial extensional tectonic belt hints at the freezing of former water ice ocean inside Charon in the distant past. I take back the water thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Other evidence found by New Horizons indicates Pluto could well have an internal water ice ocean today. Oh, wow. All of Pluto's moons that can be age-dated by surface craters have the same ancient age, adding weight to the theory that they were formed together in a single collision between Pluto and another planet in the Kuiper Belt long ago. Yeah, I can't believe... I didn't didn't realize that has five moons. How does it have so many more moons than us? It's so tiny. Yeah. Charon's dark red polar cap is unprecedented in the solar system and may be the result of atmospheric gases that escaped Pluto and then accreted on Charon's surface. Pluto's vast... A thousand kilometer wide heart shaped nitrogen glacier, informally called Sputnik Planet Planum, that New Horizons discovered is the largest known glacier in the solar system. Wow. Pluto shows evidence of vast changes in atmospheric pressure and possibly past presence of running or standing liquid volatiles on the surface, something seen only elsewhere on Earth, Mars, and Saturn's moon Titan in our solar system. The lack of additional Pluto satellites beyond what was discovered. Oh, the. The, the lack of additional Pluto satellites beyond what was discovered before New Horizons was unexpected. They thought they'd find more satellites. More than five? That mm. seems like a lot for a little guy. And Pluto's atmosphere is blue. Oh. So did he get upgraded again to planet? No, he's still... He's, he's still, still downgraded. Too, too small. Still he's... dwarf planet. Yeah, because I think that the, the, the idea was once they discovered how much there is going on in the Kuiper Belt, it's a case of if Pluto's a planet, then... Hundreds of these things are also planets. Uh, okay, I see. And its diameter is... Uh, uh, uh. It's like once you invite one college friend to your wedding, you got to invite all of them. <laughs> exactly. Same <laughs> kind of thing. But eventually you just have to downgrade them and go, these people aren't friends. These people are not friends. They're not planets and they're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> and they're surprisingly bluer than we thought. Yeah. It's 2,376 kilometers in diameter, and I forgot how that relates to the moon's diameter. But it has roughly the same surface area as Russia. <laughs> oh, really? That's what it says immediately below oh. in that article. Oh, okay, thought, yeah, it's about the same diameter. I thought you meant it was just as cold. <laughs> yeah. Emotionally. And corrupt. Uh, it's, only, it's only 200 kilometers wider than the moon. It's basically moon-sized, yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting, and it has its own a bunch of its own moons. Five. It's, it's just shocking. Um, look at the hoarding moons over there. Yeah, I guess it's far enough out of for anyone to notice that you can just get away with gathering moons willy nilly. <laughs> yeah, no one's no moon uh, police are out there saying, "Hey, you got too many moons, man." <laughs> yeah. Hey, how many moons have you got there? <laughs> yeah, the moon police don't go that far out. Yeah, it's too dangerous. <laughs> it's- you can get away with anything. You can get anything. Oh, yeah. I'm. So- you can- oh, you want an extra moon? I'll get you a moon. Yeah, I got your moon, buddy. I have to correct myself. I was comparing miles to kilometers. No, Pluto's a lot smaller than the moon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. There's an apples to apples comparison. Wow, it is a lot smaller. You can't call that guy a planet. Look at that. Because he's smaller than our moon? Yeah, right? Yeah, I got moons bigger than this planet. moon's bigger than me. I'm mooning over here. (laughs) I don't know who that character is. Um, But New Horizons, uh, as we said, flew by Ultima Thule, which is, I didn't realize it was named that because those two... Uh, snowman lobes are called Ultima and Thule individually. Uh, that made, that would make sense. Yes, that's how little creativity went into it. Uh, it's in the New York Times article. The, the scientists even admitted to that level of laziness. And like, yeah, two almost spherical lobes, one with about three times the volume of the other. To tell them apart, they named the larger one Ultima and the smaller one Thule. What Being would, scientists, we're not all that creative with words. What would said. you have done if like one of the bits was called Andy and the other bit was called Wood? Oh my God, Jesus! I, I've, can you cash out on that? And can then you, people would be like, I "Hey, would, have you?" Have I you would seen? be more impressive as Andy and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> can we make that happen? Yeah. If our listeners just start calling it that, that could, yeah. it could catch on. 
It's like, yeah, who, who decides what it's called? It's, it's, yeah. it's in how people use the words. If they just start saying that, right. we can't stop right. them. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Like Obamacare is not the name of the yeah, thing. It's the ACA. It's the so ACA, man. the is the ACA to the yeah. Andy and Matt. Yeah, Andy and Matt object. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, and it's also, uh, it's kind of similar. Remember the, remember the rubber duck shaped thing that we passed a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. The Comet 67P Churi That's how I know it. Exactly. <laughs> is that similarly sized or just shaped... I don't think it looks like a rubber duck. That looks like a horse. There's some of the shots that look more rubber ducky. Oh, okay. There's a rubber duck shot. Oh, there's a duck shot, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Brian May did a song to commemorate going by the the Ultimate Fool. There's nothing better than rock stars writing songs about science. <laughs> well, rock stars with PhDs and astrophysics. Yes. But yes. So, he's yes. the perfect uh, guy to And he actually, that. I think, did have something to do with a team that is now analyzing yes. the data. He's working oh, he's working some, with them. In some capacity. Yeah. yeah. I don't know whether he's really like, you know, I don't know how much of weight he's pulling in the group. Well, he's much. writing the songs at least. Yeah. It's a big, that's an important part. <laughs> yes. Previously, they had one of the straight scientists writing the songs. Yeah, his songs disaster. were terrible. <laughs> it was like, you gotta uh, get a real. And Brian's just in the in corner, kind of going like, "Hey, do you think? Do you want me to do any of the songwriting? Yeah, yeah, I could do some song, some songwriting, guys." Shut up, Brian! You're new. <laughs> there is an honor of seniority here. <laughs> Marcus writes the song because he has been here the longest. <laughs> It's just like a bad improv uh, <laughs> musical. Song. Hey, it's New Horizon. It's going yeah. past a thing called Ultimate Thule. Like that's not a song. It's just maybe your I fingers. could just uh, play guitar solo. The Shut up, Brian. <laughs> okay, I'll just be over here. I'm trying to find out what. Yeah, I can't see. You make the tea. That's <laughs> what the new kid does. I'm not seeing what he actually did. I know he did something besides just the writing, but I'm not uh, quickly finding out. I'm sure he was very involved in the science. <laughs> He's sitting in a room with some people at NASA in some of these articles, uh, not, not playing guitar. Brian, you're welcome to... I know Brian listens to the show. Brian, you're welcome to come on the show anytime and talk about... Straighten the record, Brian. I want you on the show to talk about exactly what you did, who you talked to, and how you changed the trajectory of this whole project. Um, and then talk about the song. We have talked before, particularly for Andy, Brian He's May is the big get. The dream, the dream guest. Yeah, I'm ultimate... So again, if any listener has an uncle who's friends with a, a tour manager who knows a roadie, who, yeah, uh, whatever you can do to make this happen. He was in L.A. this week. Ah, damn it. We really should have gotten him. Yeah. I yeah, wasn't in L.A. this week, though. Yeah, it there it is. Look at that. You have a Brian May book covered ready to go Brian, on the coffee table. The history, the 50th anniversary of his guitar. Oh, he, he made that he, at home? He and his dad made that out of a piece of wood from their mantle. That it's, is amazing. It's the only guitar he's played on every Queen Out for real? record except for the like, one yeah. he made. Yeah. That maybe one, and there's that famous the there's that but. famous film where he hit the home run with it and it smashed the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. true. I've seen that video. And he started bleeding through his uniform because that's how bad his appendix burst. <laughs> yeah. How does that? Yeah. We all know that it was yeah. cut out of the film. <laughs> I don't, can't believe. In the in Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. did he pull this out of a stone? It really seems guitar? like it's probably the most valuable guitar in the world. I mean, because you bet. can't even put a price on it. Like that's uh, yeah. Every single Queen song ever in concert. And there's video. probably some I wonder if it's bullshit. Ever get stolen. I know there's probably some bullshit most stolen. valuable guitar in the world that just has diamond shit. I hate it when oh, they do that. Right. Where they go like, yeah, yeah. "This is this burger costs fifty thousand dollars," and they realize it's just gold. like they just sprinkle gold dust on the yeah, top of it and yeah. put some diamonds in there. You're like, "Well, everything could." Delicious gold. My yeah. dick yeah. would be the most expensive <laughs> dick in the world if I stapled a check for a hundred grand to it. <laughs> like it's just. 
I feel like Cashier's you have check. It yeah, has to be, exactly. It has to be accredited. I feel like you've got a new uh, art uh, project <laughs> yeah, to do. Staple uh, a yeah. big check to your The most dick. expensive now bleeding penis in the world. <laughs> Why didn't he just glue it or tape it? It's yeah, unnecessary. No, no, no. He had to staple it or else it yeah. wouldn't have worked. <laughs> so good work, Brian, and all the rest of the New Horizons people. Yeah, excellent work, you guys. We can't wait to see these horizons and how new they are. It's been a bunch it's been a big week for for space related popular science stories. Mm-hmm. There was that general. big burst. The big burst, yep. Uh that happened uh, a couple days ago. Multiple listeners sent in that story, including Justin Broad, faithful uh Ever ready um, story contributor Justin Broad? Yeah, the repeated radio signals coming from. Uh, excuse me, I'm getting notifications about ad, my ad blocker. Coming from a galaxy 1.5 billion light years away. Wow. Um, and this this is sort of like the uh, object we discussed with Kifo Nilsson, where you know the first thing everyone wants to say is like, oh, what does this mean? It's got to be aliens, right? It's like that's it's. Never aliens, but you know, it's. But it did actually have a Beatles song. It coded <laughs> within the yeah. So what was in the radio wave? I don't think there's anything significant as far as information in it, but let me... Uh, so according to The Independent, um, yeah, this is only the second time scientists have seen such a repeating radio burst. It both deepens the mystery and offers a potential opportunity to finally understand what might be throwing out the burst from a galaxy billions of light years away. Fast radio bursts have been speculated to be the result of everything from exploding stars to transmissions from aliens. Not that. Uh, but they remain entirely mysterious with little evidence at all of where they might be coming from. The flashes only last for a millisecond, but they're flung out with the same amount of energy the sun takes 12 months to produce. Hmm. Probably the most exciting of the new bursts is one that scientists saw repeat six times, apparently from the same location. Of the more than 60 fast radio bursts detected so far, only one of them has ever repeated. So until now, there was only one known repeating FRB. Knowing that there's another suggests there could be more out there, and with more repeaters and more sources available for study, we may be able to understand these cosmic puzzles, where they're from, and what causes them, said Ingrid Stairs, a member of the CHIME team and astrophysicist at UBC. So uh, seeing two repeating signals probably means that there exists and that humanity will probably find a, quote, substantial population of repeating signals, the researchers write, in one of the two papers published in Nature. Having two sets of repeating bursts could also allow scientists to understand what distinguishes them from single bursts, helping them understand more about their source and watch for future blasts. Again, I don't see how this makes people think they're aliens, but uh, right. yeah. It could it could be anything, any kind of energy. Force. Yeah, I mean, it could... Let me see if they have other speculations of sources. Yeah, I don't know. There's just a weird burst. It's not being <laughs> it's, identified yet. Yeah. If any if any of the listeners know what if have any burst detectors have any awareness of where it could have come from besides just exploding stars and alien transmissions I mean I'd be more inclined to go with exploding stars that seems like a thing that happens and alien transmissions probably don't Yeah, yeah so, it's got to be an exploding planet like Alderaan or sure. um something along a those lines a death starry thing a death star some up. sort of some sort of like clash of titans in could, space. Could this burst be the sound of a million voices crying out in unison and then <laughs> silence? silencing out. Whatever yeah. the quote is. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger nerds than yeah. I will do that better. Yeah. I'm sure Alexandria Casio Cortez would know the quote perfectly. <laughs> you see, she just. Oh, right. She's a Star Wars. Watch, well, she just quoted right. Watchmen in a tweet today. Oh, People hilarious. are like creaming their jeans because she like, quoted Rorschach hilarious. from Watchmen. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Like, I think yeah. it's. Regardless of, of policy stuff, anybody who's, anybody who's criticizing her for being too good of a dancer or knowing pop culture can mm-hmm. fuck right off. Like, yeah. why is that a bad thing? She's 29. Relax. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't, I don't, I don't want her dancing <laughs> when when there's an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, that's yeah the when there's a very uh, soon coming national emergency, yeah. I don't want her oh, doing just, making a video doing, with her butts. Doing the cabbage patch. Actually, yeah. exactly, that's exactly what I want her doing. <laughs> to be honest with you, to be really, to be real. So as we mentioned, we're traveling to Australia, which is known for many things. Obviously, Yahoo Sirius is a native country. Shrimps on Barbies and the craziest and most deadly animals around, right? They really do have their weird creatures with their weird features. Hey, Andy, I wonder if there was some way to listen about such things. To find out in podcast form more about this crazy world of animals that oh, surrounds us. Oh, if there were a way, If Andy. only. Curse the heavens for not providing. Oh, wait. Wait, hang on. What's this thing on this massive screen in front of me? <laughs> you must be talking about the Creature Feature podcast from How Stuff Works. It, could, could that be a comedy and educational podcast? Much like the one you are listening to at this moment. Hosted by Katie Golden, who's a former writer at Crack.com, who studied evolutionary biology at Harvard and writes as a bird on Twitter. Yes, that's the one I'm talking about. In each episode, Katie takes a different guest comedian through some of the downright freaky evolutionary oddities that surround us, that sometimes make us wonder what Mother Nature's been smoking. Or, or eating, or, or licking. Yeah, sure. Why is it always what's Mother Nature being smoking? Your Mother Nature, even... you have access to some of the, to all of the chemicals naturally produced in life. Why would you? And also, there, why... there are much better things than just the, the things you can smoke. That's surely. true. But also, can't we just update that in general when someone's acting in an odd way? Why don't we say, what's that guy been vaping? Yeah, or, or, or licking, or... <laughs> I like uh, vaping. Or distilling. <laughs> yeah. Huffing? What's that guy been huffing? Yeah. Was that guy being dropping onto a sugar cube and slowly so, ingesting? Yes, Mother Nature has been smoking something or ingesting something because, yes, the, the world of animals that surrounds us is bizarre. And uh, listeners to Creature Feature are taking on an expedition through that bizarre world of animal and human behaviors. And uh, guest comedians are asked to shrink themselves down and get inside the minds of animals and ask things like, what would it be like to be brainwashed? What would it be like to be the brainwashed victim of a parasitic wasp or a penguin who turns to a life of crime? Uh, what will be the fate of the mouse who fell in love with a cat and the human who fell in love with his car? Or, or I guess the Eiffel Tower or other notable things people have fallen in love with. Every Wednesday, Katie introduces her listeners to a cast of freaky creatures telling tales, telling tales of terror, love, trickery, predation, and death-defying stunts. Did I tell you about the time that I had a, a love affair with the Eiffel Tower the, while the Eiffel Tower was married to that person? <laughs> it's, it's still very French of that piece of it uh, is. metal. Listen, and you we, know, have, we have a different way of thinking about things from how you Americans are so uptight and you with know, your monogamous buildings. <laughs> and you know, if the Eiffel Tower died, we'd both attend its funeral. It would be awkward. It would be fine, sure. though. You just go, oh, there is, there is the spouse and there is the mistress. How, what does the Eiffel Tower's casket look like? How, how does one pull off a funeral for a structure that big? Uh, you'd have to collapse it a bit. You just melt it down? Yeah, you have to because it would take up a whole Get plot. Ten thousand pallbearers. <laughs> How many people would it take to lift the Eiffel Tower? That is not a question that's answered in this podcast. <laughs> it's not. Nor is it answered on Creature Feature. I, I'd say that's one of the few failings of Creature Feature. As a podcast. Not answering how many people it takes to pick up the Eiffel Tower. It is a funny and informative podcast, but it has n- not yet cracked the the greatest mystery in life the, the the unanswerable the imponderable which is what is the correct way to dispose of the eiffel tower's remains after its untimely death there's no right answer much like grandma you should recycle it when it dies is there a way of recycling grandparents i guess just 
like ashes that then those don't even like work as fertilizer really right are there good things for plants in human cremains i don't know okay i didn't study evolutionary biology at harvard these are different things or right as a bird on twitter on different on different podcasts but you can get in touch with your wild side by listening and subscribing to creature feature on apple podcasts the iHeartRadio app or whatever you happen to use to listen to podcasts do it check it out i wanted this story was sent in by friend of the show janelle wilson this is it's always a bit weird when a story is on clear on mit news or any university's own website because it's clearly got a little bit of the press release about it yeah right but computer system si- transcribes words users speak silently electrodes on the mm. face and jaw pick up otherwise undetectable neuromuscular signals triggered by internal ver- verbalizations so MIT researchers, and bear in mind this is written by MIT, so it'll be a little braggy, have developed a computer interface that can transcribe words that the user verbalizes internally but does not actually speak aloud. The system consists of a wearable device and an associated computer system. Here's what it looks like there, Seth. Mm. Little. Oh, very interesting. So it looks like a sort of hook that goes around the ear and yeah. chin. Electrodes in the device pick up neuromuscular signals in the jaw and face that are triggered by internal verbalizations saying the words in your head but are undetectable to the human eye. The signals are fed to a machine learning system that has been trained to correlate particular signals with particular words. The device also includes a pair of bone conduction headphones which transmit vibrations through the bones of the face to the inner ear. Because they don't obstruct the ear canal, the headphones enable the system to convey information to the user without interrupting conversation or otherwise interfering with the user's auditory experience. So you can read minds, basically. Sort of. Only, but someone has to sort of be consciously saying it, but it, not... it feels like with this system, you could... So Andy and I could be in, in a busy room, mm-hmm. and you could be stood to the side of us, mm-hmm. and I could basically think a sentence hard enough at him, and he would be able to then hear what I'm saying yeah. without you knowing yep. what we're saying to each other. That's wild. I'm going to... But wait, it's do that up, with my kids. It's picking up things in your face. So are you, you have to be mouthing the words and making your vocal cords vibrate? No, I think not? you sort of... If you I'm think not sure it, how much effort you have to put out. If you out think it accurately, work. if you think it enough, I feel like it, it, these are micro-movements, so the slight twitches oh. that you don't notice... You, so your jaw is making enough twitches when you're thinking the sentence that they could... Translate it. But yeah, it's like not our, like it's reading. Li- it's not like it's doing the equivalent of reading lips. Your mouth does not open. Mouth doesn't open. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think it's so the micro movement. I remember a trick that was in my like kids magic book that I had, mm-hmm. and and it was just you make a pendulum out of just a ring and and a piece of string, mm-hmm. uh, and then you sort of it's like a mind reading trick where you hold them. You you tell your person to hold the pendulum. And you tell them, okay, I want it to go back and forward if you're thinking yes, and left to right if you're thinking no. And get them to think it hard enough, and the micro-movements in their fingers will actually make the pendulum do that. Wow. You're saying they can control whether it... I'm saying, if I tell you, yeah, like, is this your card, or is this your card, or whatever, or whatever the trick was, and if this is your card, I, the pendulum will swing forward backwards, and if it isn't, it'll swing left to right. And I get you to really concentrate on forward backwards or left to right, and it'll start your pendulum that you're holding will start to do that and that's because the micro movements in your finger amplified by the length of the pendulum and the fact that it's a cumulative movement. Even if the person is trying to outsmart you and intentionally... No, if the person is trying to intentionally fuck you up then they'll just think left to right or they'll just do it and it won't work. 
But if you... You just tell them, hold your hand still, don't do anything. Hold your hand still, mm-hmm. but really think back and forward, back and forward, or left and right, left and right, depending on which one it is. And it'll start to do that. And it, I, I tried it. It worked. Mm-hmm. I did that, you know, you, like you do whenever you get a magic trick as a kid. You, like, mm-hmm. do it on each of your family members in turn. Yes, yes. And... I really want to try it right now. I can fast. So that means <laughs> I could have also right just think about pendulum. the concept of forward and backward. It'll start to do that. You think? I believe so. Yeah. You know. It's, it's, by the way, this isn't flawless. There's right, you right. can and you I, can definitely thwart it by being a dick about it or thinking, out thinking it. But yeah, it wouldn't be coming. So to I, I think that's to, what this uh, thing is saying that it would do. So, okay. so the device it carries on is pa- is part of a complete silent computing system that lets the user undetectably pose and receive answers to difficult computational problems. In one of the researchers' experiments, for example, subjects used the system to silently report opponents' moves in a chess game and just to silently receive computer-recommended responses. Wow, that's mm. fascinating. The motivation for this was to build an IA device, not AI, an intelligence augmentation device says Arnav mm. Kapoor, who was a grad student at MIT Lab who led the development of it. Our idea was, could we have a computing platform that's more internal, that melds human and machine in some ways, and feels like an internal extension of Seth's our own cognition? Um, no, he's, I'm not. I'm like, I don't, one right I don't like this whole, like, we're moving towards <laughs> cyborg. Yeah. We kind of are already there. That's what they're like, with, with our phones. We're on the edge of it already. By some definitions, you and your phone are together a cyborg. Yeah. Technically. So here's you know, a... It's you- not as cool as, like... Being like Robocop a, looking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's a, uh, an explanation from Patty Mays, who's a professor of media arts and scientists and Kapoor's thesis advisor. We basically can't live without our cell phones, our digital devices. But at the moment, the use of these devices is very disruptive. If I want to look something up that's relevant to a conversation I'm having, I have to find my phone and type in the passcode and open an app and type in some search. What keywords. a drag. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and the whole thing requires that I completely shift attention from my environment and the people that I'm with to the phone itself. Mm-hmm. So my students and I have for a long time been experimenting with new form factors and new types of experience that enable people to still benefit from all the wonderful knowledge and services that these devices give us. But, I, but do it in a way that lets them remain in the present by having a massive weird thing strapped to their face. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is walk around looking like this That's guy. That's the weirdest thing in the world. So wait a minute. So how does he look up stuff while staying I think in conversation? He think, I, I imagine he thinks the equivalent of, hey, Google, what is the... Yeah, and then he gets the information back and then he can say, oh, by the way, I just looked up that thing we were talking about instead of... Or, or just or doesn't do it at all and just goes, oh, actually, the uh, I think you'll find that... <laughs> oh, I see. that He becomes the expert. But if everyone knows he's wearing this jaw brace... <laughs> oh, that's just... Uh, it just helps my yeah. posture. Yeah, I got a, uh, a toothache. <laughs> it's just... The dentist gave it to me I, last I year, and I still wear it. I so don't now, get this. We're watching the video, and I can't uh, yeah. see his face doing anything. He's saying which is, right he's saying down, right down. Yeah, he's he's directing the TV to do to do stuff. But um, some, I mean, lots of words depend on whether or not. So in, in, in this example of this video, he just thinks the word time, and then it tells as a question, and then it tells him what the time is ten forty three. So he's doing math in one, his head. Yeah, in this other one, store. he's he's summing the total of the prices as he goes through the supermarket selecting products. Oh my god! So he doesn't have to do the, and then the adding voice goes, himself. Yeah, and then the voice goes total. 10.07. And now it's showing winning at a game of Go. I want to dig into this. I thought that was uh, Othello. Believe this. Othello uh, and Go look very similar, but Go is oh. a bigger board. Okay. And you don't flip over. Oh, wait, no. Does Othello involve flipping? Yes. Things? I think yes. Othello yes. involves Side flipping stage. and Go yeah. involves capturing territories. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still don't... Okay, because 
not only is ever uh, yes words are sometimes distinguishable by facial movements like you can lip read right. lip readers can get stuff but wrong but also inflection because, right that's what i'm saying you can't yeah. and if you're not using your vocal cords at all how how is it picking up accurately what you would be saying yeah i just don't especially in like a chinese language where inflections everything and you can mean oh, five different things yeah oh that's yeah. a good point or to- any tonal language where yeah. the difference yeah where Going up or down or means constant in the basket work. Basket or shoe. Yeah, or confusion or whatever. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Like of and off. If you don't have the if you don't have the, the vocal cord going yeah. or not going, you can't distinguish those. Well, that's also things. where I guess machine learning comes into, and also you know, Google in particular is very good at correcting learning. a search term. Yeah, yeah. like realizing. You probably didn't mean. Uh, yeah, like you see it correct in of, real time yeah. as you use as you speak to Google. It kind of goes, oh, okay, from the context of the sentence, right. they almost certainly didn't mean that. They meant this. I want to try this out. MIT, send yeah. some of these our way. <laughs> it also says they previously had seven different locations with, but in current experiments, the researchers are getting comparable results using only four electrodes along one jaw, which should lead to a less obstructive wearable device. The idea that internal verbalizations have physical correlates has been around since the 19th century and was seriously investigated in the 1950s. Mm. One of the goals of the speed reading movement of the 1960s, I wasn't aware there was a movement. I there didn't was a know movement. there was a decade that was into speed reading. Yeah, yes. yeah, you know, that's what the 60s is known for. <laughs> they, <laughs> they had, a, they had a, uh, uh, a utopia in, up, in upstate New York where yeah. they just read everything as fast as they could. If, if, you can't, if you can't remember the 60s, it's because of all the books you read quick. <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing like one of those 60s montages, like helicopters over um, yeah, fortunate yeah. sons playing and a guy's just, just reading it's the age of Aquarius to zebra <laughs> in 60 seconds or less um, so one of the goals of the speed reading movement of the 60s was to eliminate internal verbalization or sub vocalization as it's known I actually because that slows down your reading yeah, yeah a friend of mine got into speed reading for a bit because I'm I have friends who get into yeah. things like that and, I read a book about it. It, it didn't take. Oh, yeah. yeah. And one of the things it tells you to do is to, tr- to train yourself to not be reading out loud in your head. Right. Because the more you're doing that, the more that slows down. Right. You effectively end up reading at the, the fastest speed that your mind can say the words rather than yeah. And you look at it. several senses at once as yes. part of the thing. And try and absorb all that information. I know you use these three fingers somehow. I've seen you're, videos you're, of people like yeah. skimming the page with, the, the, with your... Uh, Middle down little, to little finger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, feel like, I feel like it's like three scans per page with your fingers. So swoosh, 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 turn page, swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. And I'm like, but could you actually answer questions about that in a real way? Could you, could I don't, you I don't, pass a test about that? I don't that think book? so, but it depends if you train your mind to absorb it that fast and process it, but it seems yeah. almost impossible. Maybe I'm just jealous at people who are smarter than Yeah, me. and you've got to be careful, though, because look at all the casualties from the 60s. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they people speed, get speed reading flashbacks. Yeah, they yeah. speed read their mind too fast. And it just... <laughs> That was one of the announcements at Woodstock, I remember. Don't, don't eat the brown acid the brown and don't book. speed read any books. You will know you'll never come back. Yeah. This guy, he sped read the whole of Ulysses and he's just, he's gone. He's gone. It wasn't the same after that, man. Someone's got to drive him home. Give him some orange slices. Slow down, buddy. So, yeah. Uh, what's the next step for this thing? Uh, can we, are we going to actually be reading this? I like the idea of it. No one's going to want to wear that. No, it's super dorky until it becomes. I mean, wait, then again, have you seen how bad shoes have gotten with like the clunky athletic shoes coming back? No. 
we have the dumbest trends right now. You haven't seen like $700 shoes that look like the shitty sneakers from 20 years ago that no one wants? I would like to see them well, now. Let's put it on it Also, while you're looking at that, here's one of the uses it says... Thad Starner, who's a professor at Georgia Tech's College of Computing, says, for example, control, for example, controlling the airplanes on the tarmac uh, at the airport, you've got jet noise all around you, you're wearing these big air protection things, wouldn't it be great to communicate with voice in an environment where you normally wouldn't be able to? You can imagine all these situations where you have a high noise environment, like the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, or even places with lots of machinery, like a power plant or a printing press. This is a system that would make sense especially because oftentimes in these types of situations, people are already wearing protective gear. For example, if you're a fighter pilot or a firefighter, you're already wearing these masks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it could just be built into your sort of mm-hmm. breathing devices. and that's a si- Or even, I'm, this wasn't in the article, I'm just thinking a scuba diver. Oh, that is an ugly shoe. That's what's happening. $1,000 Balenciaga shoes that put look the, like put shit. Put that in the show notes, because that looks like the thing your parents would tell you that you should get instead of the brand name. It so are these orthotics? <laughs> I know, it's fucking insane. And they're like high-heeled versions of them. They're that's like two dis- of them yeah, that's stacked disgusting. on top That is an other. ugly... Those would be like the shoes that your school got on crazy sale that were like the uh, long-distance like like uniform shoes that you'd have to wear if you were, if you were on like the team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's insane how much you can find all these like over $1,000... It's gross. Here's another thing that Stana adds. What about special ops? Like, I presume he means in a military setting. Special op folks have hand gestures, but you can't always see those. Wouldn't it be great to have silent speech for communication between these folks? Yeah. And the last one is for people who have disabilities where they can't vocalize normally. That'd be huge. For example, Roger Ebert did not, as a weird specific example, did not have the ability to speak anymore because he lost his jaw to cancer. Could he do this sort of silent speech and then have a synthesizer that could speak the words? Well, if he doesn't have a jaw, maybe not, because I feel like it reads the jaw, right? Well, maybe they could train it eventually to be different parts of the face. Didn't he have... A partial jaw? In that that, uh, documentary, he just had lost everything underneath his jaw. I think the yeah. jaw bone was there. Right. Or maybe the, the, the jaw... I just thought of another one. What about scuba diving? Oh, yeah. Does it work in water? Well, I guess you Why could it eventually... You oh, could just make... the electrodes themselves might not be... But as long yeah. as it's attached... Because it, it works with physical contact with your face. So mm. I guess mm-hmm. it would have to... I don't know. I don't know whether it works in water or whether it, they can develop it to work in water. It still seems like magic to me. It but that would magic. be pretty cool if, again, two or scuba divers could have science. a full, could have essentially a synthesized conversation yeah. person to person, yeah, yeah, rather than having to do it with hand gestures and writing slates. I love that idea. I'm on board for it. I think uh, there's a lot of apps for this that's not everyday apps, like like spies and special ops people in the same room and that kind of thing. A lot of apps, like spy apps? Yeah. Are those legal in the, in the iTunes store? Ops. Oh, ops. I think you said apps. <laughs> yeah, no. no, there's definitely a lot of appli- applications <laughs> yes. like special ops people who yes, are like, yes. you know, like cops who are doing a drug bust and they're in the same room and, you know. Hey, uh, that those ugly shoes, those incredibly ugly trainers. What do they remind you of? Well, they, they, they remind me, we, we could... We could probably now spend a thousand dollars on ugly shoes and wipe out our account thanks to the generosity of our donors. Oh yes, indeed. And we've got quite a few people to thank because we've been traveling so for a while, including many. <laughs> there's people who've come in through the old PayPal link, and also now we've started up the Patreon. There are people to thank. That's is nice. everyone in this document here right now? Um, this is all the list of people who donated through PayPal. If you get through that, 
Maybe we should spread this out over two episodes because it's been it's a lot of people. We just speed it. Let's just be through it. Thank you very much. Von McCroons, Jeffrey Gelback, Thomas Hatfield, Jacob Rochester, Becky Grady, William Mulligan, Oren Harris, Lindsay Bacon, Trevor Hubbard, David Geelan, Bryson Rhodes, Oren Malafont, Sean Gordon, John Clarici, Brooks Gilmore, Mark Williams, Peter Long, David Worth, Destruction Lane, Oliver Force, Robert Condon, William Bagley, Emma Wilton, Jake Swenson, Daniel Monson, RL Kappa, Pandora Young, Callum Gleason, Drew Chapman. Those are all the one, sorry, the recurring donations. Through and, PayPal. Not through PayPal. Yes. And then there's a one-off donations have come through from Emily Schaefer, who says, thank you for creating this podcast. You are welcome. Thank you for donating, Emily. <laughs> Jimmy Holst as well. Thank you very much, Jimmy. And Lisa Tietze, uh, Tietze? T-I-E-T-Z-E. That's how you spelled Lisa's last name. Thank you very much. That was very generous of you. We really appreciate that. And uh, do you want me to skim through? Fucking do it. <laughs> Our donors through Patreon. All right. Linda Moulton, who has been such a champion over the years and didn't stop with her Patreon uh, monthly donation. Judy Walrath, John Hood, Emma Wilton, Matthew Quick, Eric Roberts, Katsu.hu, Peter Lipchi, Daniel Gunn, Thomas Hatfield, UT Lurker, Jen, Russell Porter, Mike, Sierra Dwin, Ada Terrell, Simon, Data Tyrant, Kyle S, Sebastian Coke, Jeff Reeder, Kyle Anderson, A Boring Potato, Stu Holding, Justin Turner, <laughs> Christopher Long, I believe, uh, Kirstie Tso, uh, Sean Donnelly, no, Sean Dooley, uh, Gavin, Jason Shoemaker, Anthony Liguri, Seth, you're a champ for sitting through this. Uh, this is my favorite Hannah, part of the show so far. Ian Walker, Michael Terry, Austin Walsh, Farty McPooper. That's genuinely in there. <laughs> uh, Gus Russell, Chris Bedmore. Oh, the New Hampshire poopers? Trevor Machini, <laughs> Vikram Bhatt, David Smith, Elaine Van, can't see the last name, Mio Ihashi, Patrick Chalkley. Wow, there's still more. Stephen Vogt, Richard Wright, Alexander D. something, Giovanni Sands something, uh, David Neustein, Ali Force. We're getting close to the end. Andy Schenkel, LAM, Keith and Loretta, Stephen Edmonds, David of Flixton, uh, Charlotte Hole something, and John Jogerst. We really should have split that up into two episodes. I, know. Well, I hadn't realized how long the second list was. What Thank I like about you. is how much you loved Farty McPooper. It was great. And the fact that they know now that you're going to announce all the other names. <laughs> oh, Everyone name is going to do a hilarious now, name. Yeah. Uh, feel free to say as long as it's not actively hateful towards any group of people then I mean IBS sufferers is that because <laughs> it could also be celebrating the their right. party poopiness okay. yeah but if, you, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna name a, a boat that goes and like cleans up uh, sea trash I think that's a good name for it in yep. the vein of Body McFoot yeah, yeah. but uh, I, clearly Andy despite having been born in the 70s was not part of the speed reading I was not and I speed can't writing. believe you were not part of that the uh, speed speaking <laughs> movements of the tr- 70s I also tried to read um, do you know Kevin Trudeau that guy who used to be like a kind of a huckster on infomercials and stuff he's also never seen that guy no what, was, what did he sell Every, he was kind of like a Ron Popeil and uh, I, th- I think he was the author of a mega memory book that I mm-hmm. tried to take to heart back in uh, the I spent I spent about oh, yeah. half an hour once on the speed calculation one and yeah. then got bored with it He's a salesman, pool enthusiast, and known for his fraudulent promotion of his books and consequent legal cases. On consumeraffairs.com, he has a one and a half, 1.4 out of 5 rating. That seems like a bad rating. That is a not a good rating. Top 850 reviews and complaints about Kevin Trudeau. Jesus. His book was called The Weight Loss Cure They Don't Want You to Know. One of many books, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I could have sworn he also did like a, oh yeah, Mega Memory, yep. 
that was the thing that I tried. And whatever, you know, it, it was a good technique. It involved like, uh, like if you want to memorize a long chain of digits, you make every digit into a consonant, then make words out of those mm. and then do like a memory palace out of those words. And then you can walk through and see yeah. the objects. But that's not his technique. No, not he his was technique. just putting it in the book. book that right. That's pretty much all of the memory people yeah. who do that. Or well, they have different playing, every playing card has a thing attached to it or whatever is like, this is a, the three of diamonds is a lemon or whatever and then you right. construct a story that connects right. them so that's how you measure memorize the whole deck and then like the rest oh. of you i also try to that's how because it's much easier to remember specific things and a story than it right. is to random numbers or seemingly random numbers but of letters. it's so, easy to know the deck you just know that there's four of ace four of two four yeah. of three i'm talking you about mean, like reading cards i'm talking about the, or- the order no no the order of the cards so like people oh. who memorize it i'm not talking about like people who have the un- amazing ability <laughs> how many aces are there they, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I oh this, this uh, kid he can just name all 52 cards in the deck <laughs> that's what i thought you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> he knew there were four aces, all four. Yeah, <laughs> this all kid right. knows the entire alphabet in order. <laughs> it's crazy. He made man. up a song. It's insane. You mean if all right, ace of diamonds, two of diamonds, three of diamonds, four of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's speed saying it. <laughs> now you're talking about like if you're playing <laughs> poker and you can get count this guy cards. to a casino right now. <laughs> <laughs> he can name every card, even the jokers. How many on site, just show it to him. Yeah. How many toothpicks are there? Two hundred. It says in the box. Right uh, oh, he's crazy. Wow. Uh, no, people who can memorize the order of multiple shuffled decks. Oh, uh, yeah, so that's you get like tough, three yeah. three decks shuffled up, and yeah. then they and then they have a certain amount of time to look at them and learn them. And what they do is construct us. Every card has a character or an image associated with it, and then mm-hmm. they construct a, co- a, story. a story that threads it all together. So, like right. the woman with the blue hat uh, and the flowers in her jacket goes to the butcher and grabs a whatever like right gives him an orange and she you know you each of those things i want you to continue with the story (laughs) it's a compelling narrative please continue (laughs) keep going keep going globe nominated uh and uh yeah that's interesting also on kevin trudeau's wikipedia page Mm -hmm. his uh non-surgical facelift which we've all tried obviously right what That was his idea. Uh, you have to use your hands, and it was found. <laughs> you just, just, it was found to just violate, have to keep your hands on your face. It violated the UK's ITC advertising rules. I want to read all about this guy now. I can't. Over, but why is there not that, hover over that link? Because that's oh, lastly, a credit card fraud. That's another thing. Where is it? Uh, the uh, after ITC advertising rules. I, looking up the word fraud, there's too many. Yeah, the fraud yeah. comes up in this Wikipedia page way more than if you looked up the word fraud. <laughs> yeah, it features more highly than on the Wikipedia page for fraud itself. Yeah, there's way more <laughs> mentions of fraud. This guy's I can't like, believe there hasn't been a movie this guy starring um, Leonardo DiCaprio yet. Or, he also just has a very untrustworthy face. How yes. has he managed to be such a huckster? It's like yeah. David Avocado Wolf. You guys know him? No. Oh, God. Oh, you do, you I do, love these. Do. I do not. He's, He's a guy who has somehow managed to really game the Facebook algorithm. So you would have seen memes and articles linked to from him. <laughs> But the first is, thing that comes up when you Google him is an article that says David Avocado Wolf is the biggest asshole in the universe. But he is in the, the multiverse. Sort of, in the yeah. multiverse, <laughs> yes. Sorry. But he is anything that's sort of fresh, like you know, natural food uh-huh. or anything. But what what it is is he posts all these inspirational memes and healthy living memes, and then pushes his bullshit supplements and anti-vax stuff. And he is one of the worst. Yeah pseudoscience bullshit here we go scroll scroll down because there is a uh there right there 
Gravity is a toxin, according to David Avocado Wolf. Arthritis has to do... This is a quote from his longevity intensive in 2012. Arthritis has to do with gravity, which is a toxin. And as soon as you get upside down, you take gravity, a toxin, and you turn it into medicine. That's just, into a medicine. That's just straight up science. Yeah. yeah. Basically, gravity. So you can reverse gravity by turning upside down, Let me which guess. turns you, the you, toxin gravity into the medicine gravity. David, are you are you selling some boots with hooks on them by any <laughs> chance? Is there any chance this is something I can buy from you? You know what's so funny? I can't tell you how many weeks I've gone to like a spa to just degravitize. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, why do you get that so much gravity in you? Yeah, like, I get these massages. I'm feeling a lot of gravity. Here. This is a cell phone free zone and a zero gravity spa. Yeah, <laughs> you have tested please. really high for gravity. Have you been the right way up? <laughs> God, that's hilarious. This guy has a career. Yeah, how has he not been actually convicted of any kind of fraud? It's Chocolate is an octave of sun energy. Is that an actual thing he said? That's amazing. It's gotta be. Yep. Those are an all octave. words. Those are actual words, but they don't. Those are uh, all words that have meanings, none of which are the use of... Yeah. No, n- none of those words make sense together. It's also... When people... That's the thing. It's, it's one thing... I find it frustrating enough when people are just peddling bullshit, but when they do it with the sort of trappings of science or yeah, science A lot of people words. do, because people want to believe whatever they're going to say. They need an expert. They don't want to do, like, you know, the, the research themselves. Yeah. They want someone to tell them. I had one once. Who, it was actually on, a, on another podcast that I was on a while back, and someone was sort of going, you know, we're... we're it was like he was talking it was some bullshit about energy he was telling me like positive energy and you need this is why you need positive energy and it's you know you know we all have this weight uh, and Einstein says e equals mc squared which was like okay hang on a minute you can't yeah, by all means give your hand wavy bullshit but you can't take your meaning of energy which means just sort of general good coolness. feelings yeah. mm-hmm. and put it into physics equations right yeah but in the quantum, uh, yeah, and then quantum has just yeah. been used by every huckster. Oh, that's not completely. Means and, yeah. I'm seeing other David Avocado Wolf things, including that he says deer antler is levitational. What? I don't know what that means. It has and- androgenic force. Does that mean male force? I just love that he just makes up these words. Androgenic force. Deer antler is not a product. It's a cosmic substance, and it's an androgenic substance. Sure. I mean, androgenic is a word, or androgens oh, it is. are like And then he sells it uh, for $75. I guessing he's selling some deer antler. Yeah. I don't know. As I, a spray. Yeah. I do. I Do you sometimes wish that you had... His confidence? Yeah, his confidence and lack of ethics. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I wish I had... Because I think I could do a really good job of peddling this bullshit sure. if I didn't have every conscience. bit in sight. Conscience and the inability to say stuff that I know to be wrong and yeah. bullshit. Like I, it There's would... a lot of people out there who do that. Tons. People have the confidence to just lie to people's faces. Yeah. I and mean, we have, not to be political, but yeah. like, we have a president, a president who does who that does every does day. That, yeah. Every day. But the people who are, but these are people that I know, just my president, who want to sell stuff to people they know they they don't need and just, just like, no qualms about like, I'm going to create a whole thing to sell shit that doesn't make sense. He might believe what he's saying. It doesn't make it any better, but I could see a world where he believes the shit he's saying, Mm -hmm. which makes it easier for him to say. Like, I'm sure there are hucksters who aren't. Are you a huckster if you think the magic... If you believe it. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a... If you don't know it's not good for you... Yeah, there are psychics who genuinely believe themselves to be psychic, and there are ones who are just, you know, gathering 
information and sending it through earphones and again cold yeah. reading and acti- <laughs> actively learning how to cold read. But there yeah. are ones who are accidentally, there are definitely psychics who are accidentally cold readers because they believe they're being attuned, but actually what they're doing is, or they believe they're hearing from the other side, but actually they've just got naturally good at attuning themselves to people's minute reactions. Right, right. Or have you seen Darren Brown's specials on Netflix at all? I haven't. Oh, Andy Nyman, who we mentioned earlier, who is the actor who was in the thing mm-hmm. with Peter Dinklage, mm-hmm. is also a magician who is behind... He's one of the guys who directs and co-devises Darren Brown's shows. Oh, okay. Fascinating. Have you seen him, Seth? No, I have not. Oh, the- he was in New York. He did a, a, a show that people loved, right? Miracle? Like, that's, the, yeah, that's the most recent. I didn't see it. That was a stage show that was... He was using techniques that... Um, that uh, what do you call just a uh, huckster evangelists mm-hmm. healers and things that they do, but without any religious stuff. And he was saying, I can also do these things. And like people in the audience were healed of ailments and things from his hypnosis. So he's kind of mocking exploitative evangelists, uh-huh. but still giving people benefits in their lives. It's really interesting. Right. Oh, and wow. then there's the push where he convinces someone to murder a stranger and then there's the sacrifice. You haven't heard of these? No. Yeah, I saw the, the tra- when the trailer for the push came I think it was for the push when the trailer for that came out. I saw people who weren't, like American friends of mine on, online who weren't familiar with Darren Brown. He's been around in the UK for years and is a very well-known act. But we're going like, this is irresponsible bullshit. What is this? And going like, it's a magic show. Yeah. Like he is doing a, ma- he is a stage illusionist and he is doing a magic show. And if you but- watch the whole, sh- I can see how if you just watch the trailer, you'd think like, what is this irresponsible bullshit? But actually, it's pretty, no, great. it's a magic trick. It's, it's a, it's a well, it's not, cute- just, I mean, he is convincing a person to do what they think is going to kill somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. All of his stuff has a, has a real them. blend of just stage illusions and magic right. and sleight of hand and traditional sort of conjuring tricks yeah. combined with the sort of trappings of this sort of psychology and so you think everyone's a plant in all these no 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 oh, no. Okay. I, I don't think there are plants i think he is using stage conjuring tricks right. and mm-hmm. and sleight of hand and psychological te- you know it, it's a combination of pre- but a lot of it is just they found a really good and original way to repackage stage magic yeah in a way that is a, you know is very interesting and tells a very cool story but yeah i would highly recommend watching all three the sacrifice where he uh convinces over the course of several months a racist to take a bullet for an illegal immigrant no way yeah it's great tv it's really great tv yeah and what's I, the on, show called i think they're all on netflix they're all on now netflix. Aren't they? just look up darren yeah. brown oh, darren brown e-r-r-e-n but yeah. one is the sacrifice one is the push and well the sacrifice a lot of the uh the push and miracle is the stage one where he does right. evangelical stuff it's great it's great tv yeah and yeah, if you know, you might have met Andy because he's out in New York quite a bit, and he's very he's he's friends with Peter. I don't know, you might Andy Nyman Nyman because he's know. an actor and he's yeah. done various shows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's one of the. There's a couple of him and one or two other magicians, but he's like he directs his a lot of his shows, his okay. live shows, and is one of the brains that helps devise this. They're gr- and the links they go to, especially in the push, it's it's so much more involved. It's like real life watching someone do that Michael Douglas movie, The Game. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The Game? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like seeing that done to somebody. Yeah. And everybody in his world is in on it except right. for him. This camera's right. everywhere. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And I won't spoil any of that one, but that one has a great ending. That's my favorite of all of them. Have you seen all of them? No, push? no. I haven't actually seen any of the recent ones. I've seen a lot of his old stuff. And oh, it's, it's, his it's live just, shows. It's great. Yeah. We're not being paid to say that. We're not. <laughs> we have to say that we're not being paid. <laughs> we just like stuff. 
Uh, do you have time for one more? I think so. Let's do one, one, one more, guys. Space related or not? Mm. Well, we've done quite a few space stories. What have we got that's less spacey? Mm, <laughs> things that are less spacey. Um, yeah, less Kevin Spacey, guys. Come on. I mean, as we're on the topic of pseudoscience, do you want to talk about this? Uh, this guy at the Indian Science Congress who said that Newton was wrong and ancient demon king had planes. <laughs> is that too I mean, much? That's basically the whole story right there. Yeah, it really is. It kind of is. We could do this one that. Oh, you know, it's two things that were tweeted at us. Firstly, by my mate Helen, who said there is a conference in Glasgow that might be interesting for aphantasiacs. Mm. Cool. Uh, we'll post a link to it because it's called Extreme Imagination Inside the Mind's Eye. In fact, I'll just retweet this tweet that, that talks about things like uh, talks on aphantasia and hyper... What is hyperphantasia? Do you want to look that up while I... Guessing the opposite of aphantasia, having yeah. an extremely active imagination? Super fantasia. The best fantasia. So aphantasia, we've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. quite a lot, mm-hmm. including with Brandy Posey, who was right. on the show and has it, which is uh, people who do not have a visual imagination and normally don't realize that until well into adulthood, if at all, they don't realize that this is something that they have that is different from other people. They just assume that people are being metaphorical when they refer to just, you know, imagining something or seeing... They just can't do it. They can't picture something physically. Like, if if you say, like, if you close your eyes and go, like, picture an elephant, Mm -hmm. you see see a picture of an elephant Mm -hmm. as it... But they see sort of a description of... In their head, they just... The words that are the description of what an elephant is. They can't visually picture this elephant. That's fascinating. And that is something that a surprising proportion of the population has, but has no idea about. Because they don't know that everyone else doesn't have the same same thing. Some people didn't so, know until they heard us talking about it in the podcast, I think, right? Having some listeners that's wild. written in and been like, oh, shit, that's me. I thought, like, we. I found out about it because Brandy Posey, a comic here in town, posted on Facebook about it. And she just realized it in the last couple of years, I think. And uh, she always thought people were just being metaphorical when they were like, oh, yeah, I can picture that. You know, because she can't picture anything. Like, can't. There's no visual oh, memory. That's so there's no funny. Yeah, yeah, and this is normally something people don't realize for years that they are acting differently to, or their brain works differently to other people's. Because What's why weird would you? Is that these same people know what an elephant looks like or what a fox looks like? Right. You uh, can, but they just can't picture. You their can heads. see. Yeah, you see a picture of an elephant. You go, that is an elephant. But if you look away and go, like, what does an elephant look like? You can't picture it. That's weird. Isn't that? Yeah. We've talked about it so much that my brother, uh, who listens to the podcast, is sick of hearing about it. So I'm yeah. <laughs> listeners So too- listener Baz Lovenberg sent in this story, t- tweeted at us. The, they found a fossils of someone they believe to be a, a skilled female artist. These thousand-year-old teeth belong to a th- skilled female artist. Pigment r- remains reveal. 1,000 years ago, a woman in a convent in northern Germany licked her paintbrush to draw the bristles into a fine point, and some of the pigments sealed into the plaque on her teeth. Now, archaeologists have discovered that the color came from lapis lazuli, a blue stone from half a world away. The findings suggest that this anonymous middle-aged woman was likely a skilled painter tasked with creating high-quality illuminated manuscripts of religious texts. The first time a medieval artist has been identified from their skeleton alone, and further evidence that women copied and painted books in medieval Europe. This is a fantastic, a fabulous result, says Mark Clark, who is a technical art historian at Nova University in Portugal who wasn't involved in the research. Before this study, he thought, we are never going to find a skeleton and say, that was a painter, but here it is. 
Finally. This is presumably translated Finally. from Portuguese or spoken in English by a native Portuguese speaker. When Christina Werner, a molecular archaeologist at the Max Planck Institute for the, Sci- for Science- for the Science of Human History in Jena, Germany, started to study the medieval skeleton, she wasn't expecting to find anything special. The woman had lived in a religious community in Dalheim, Germany, sometime between 997 and 1162 and died between the ages of 45 and 60. So, lived approximately a thousand years ago and lived to mod- middle age. From paint poison. Yeah, yeah. From, from licking injuries. <laughs> Gotta stop licking those paintbrushes. Warrener was hoping to use her dental calculus to study her diet and the microbes that lived in her mouth. Dental calculus taps, traps all the little tiny pieces of junk, the stuff we're trying to eliminate when we're flossing, says Tiffany Tung, a bioarchaeologist at Vanderbilt, who also wasn't involved in the study. Is that is another a- word for plaque? A plethora of information, it is. It yes, is. I yeah. des- uh, yes, I guess cal- the calculus, because plaque is like a calcium deposit. Mm-hmm. Or it's what plaque becomes when it's, when it's more solidified, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, it's tartar. So oh, okay. Another word for tartar. Mm-hmm. Hardened dental plaque. Oh, okay. That's cool. No need to correct that then, listeners. We got <laughs> it right. Oh, while we are talking about corrections, by the way, someone wrote in, I'll find it here, listener Nathan Gladwell... I wonder if he's... The, listener Nathan Gladwell t- wrote to us saying, the Malcolm Gladwell podcast you referred to in last week's episode was not revisionist history. It was his new podcast, Broken Record. Oh, okay. That is Nathan Gladwell correcting Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> I wonder if there was a Gladwell connection. <laughs> it's weird that you wouldn't say, like, the Malcolm Gladwell yeah. bracket, no relation. I don't know. Maybe he's... Maybe it's his brother. Maybe. You could easily look that up if he has a brother named Nathan. That's probably true. I tell you what, you get on that while okay. I finish the story. Sure, sure. Or just Google Nathan Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell. Or if you are Nathan Gladwell yourself and you are not related to Malcolm Gladwell, please write to us and mark your envelope Gladwell. So when Warriner and her then student Anita Radini, now an archaeological scientist at the University of York in the UK, stuck some of the medieval woman's dental calculus under the microscope, they found something they'd never seen before. It was bright blue. The team identified the compounds as lapis lazuli, a stone mined in Afghanistan that can be ground and processed into a brilliant blue pigment. Hmm. Where the woman lived, lapis lazuli was beginning to arrive in Europe via trade with the Islamic world and was used to paint the highest quality illuminated manuscripts. The stuff was more expensive than gold, says Clark. Hmm. So how did it end up in her teeth? Rodini experimented with grinding lapis lazuli stone into a fine powder the first step in turning it into a pigment suitable for painting. She ended up with lapis lazuli dust all over her, including, most notably, on her lips and mouth. Medieval artists usually prepared or refined their pigments themselves, says Clark, so it's easy to imagine this woman inadvertently dusting herself with it and then licking her paintbrush to create a point, a technique recommended by many medieval artist manuals, would have left even more blue particles in her mouth, the team reports today. In Science Advances... Is it safe to say she invented Bluetooth? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, that's going to be the dad joke of the year. <laughs> safe and... Sorry. That's great. I love that yeah. joke. So, it is what it is. <laughs> so a historian, Cynthia Cyrus, who's a historian at Vanderbilt, says given how expensive lapis lazuli was, the work she was doing would have been a really elaborate manuscript, with likely a copy of a prayer book used for religious services at her convent or another monastery. A handful of signed manuscripts 
And other historical records show that women, especially those living in religious communities, were involved in copying and creating books. But when this woman lived, many female scribes didn't sign their works, uh, which Warren says is a symbol of humility. Although, let's call it what it really is. <laughs> to, you know who's oh, super those, humble? Those women. The slaves that we had <laughs> yes, for a couple yes, centuries. Yes, women yes. all through history, so humbly <laughs> refusing to take credit for their work. Oh, my God. Today, anonymous medieval manuscripts are frequently attributed to men, she says, and many female scribes like this one were written out of history, but their teeth may bear silent witness to their skill. Either that or there's a male artist who just has a woman next to her him that she just yeah lick this oh yeah. <laughs> just uses her mouth she's as a, just she's just licking the brush and he's doing all the art yeah he's i she, doubt that she's a brush pointer yeah <laughs> fluffer that's funny i wonder when there's going to be that film about all the women who painted all the hidden, the manuscripts yeah hidden uh, hidden brushes <laughs> licked brushes I, I peeked at bluetooth guys you really did you should have just t- should just walked out here we go. It's the fifth in the picture. It's the fifth tooth from the left. Her middle tooth. That's that middle tooth. It has, that the, was, has it the blue has in blue it. Pick, blue pick. Blue. And I love that they knew it came from breath. Afghanistan. That's crazy. There was so much trade even a thousand years ago. That's what it said. Yeah. Is that where the, that? Is that where I forget now from the story? Is that where they said that the stone came from? Yeah. I guess maybe they just know to this day that that's where the stone is found. Yeah. Lapis lazuli. Yeah. Lapis, 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 how do you say it? I don't know. I don't know why you're asking me, because I was just guessing <laughs> a pronunciation. I've definitely seen it written a lot. I'm, sh- I'm sure I've heard it, heard it pronounced, but I'm not. Have you really? Because that's my first time seeing those letters in that order. I think it's lapis lazuli. Okay. It's a very pretty blue stone. I will believe you on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It's a blue gemstone. Mm-hmm. It's a deep blue metamorphic rock. Used as a semi-precious mm. stone that has been prized since antiquity for its intense they color. They also seem to have the blue dress that um, Monica Lewinsky wore. <laughs> I that guess that was also the same color. <laughs> it is. It's historically important. Yeah. Why did she save that dress again? Oh, she you didn't, should. I watched the special last night about it. Oh, I didn't. I haven't watched the special, but there was a, a very detailed special on the whole okay. affair. Is it worth watching? Interesting, interesting. I mean, she didn't really want to save it. Linda Tripp convinced her to save it. She was just on the phone with her friend and saying, this happened. And yes. Linda's like, don't watch that dress. Yes, because yes. for many yes. years, Linda Tripp was, also not for many years, but for many months, Linda Tripp was basically feeding information to... Lucian Goldberg and uh, Ken Starr. What was Linda Tripp's job again? She worked at the Pentagon, and she was very angry that she'd been working in the White House under Bush one, and she was very pissed that the Clinton administration had moved her to the oh, pent- Pentagon and moved her out of the White the White House, and she hated the Clintons anyway. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Monica moves, gets moved from the White House because everyone knows they're having this affair, and they want Bill to get away from her, so they convince Bill oh. to move her to the Pentagon and get her out of the White House, same office Linda's in, and they became friends. And Linda was sort of a confidant, like yes, an older... they called each other like every night. Oh. But but Linda also was disgusted by Bill's behavior and right. was very moral moral, moral yeah. about it, or moralistic, yeah. or whatever, whichever you want to call yeah. it. And There's then, um the Slow Burn podcast as well. I highly recommend it. They've they moved done, on from the... They've done two different Watergate. seasons of it now, yeah. So season, it's the Slate magazine put it out, and it's sort of deep dive. The first season is the Nixon... Watergate impeachment and resignation mm-hmm. 
and or impeachment attempt because it never actually went and that far. Didn't happen, and then yeah. the second well, one no, is he the... did get impeached. That no, he didn't. Impeached means indicted essentially. No, but in, no, he they... Nixon never got impeached. Oh, I'm sorry, he... Clinton got impeached. Clinton, right. did. Right. Clinton sorry, did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nixon resigned before the, the vote. I'm actually yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's weird. Clinton was impeached and finished his entire term with a higher approval rating than ever. Nixon was yeah. not impeached, but that's because he jumped before he could be pushed. Yeah. His approval rating didn't take a hit no that's why he knew he was going to stay in the game and fight it because the proof written was at 70 percent why didn't which is one of the reasons why people are sort of saying uh it's one of the reasons why people are saying that impeachment attempts against trump might be a bad idea mobilize people who love because you can impeach him and he'll still be in office and people end up can, could end up backing him right more than ever why didn't because i remember clinton being absent in the 2000 campaign and that could have swung it for gold yeah he, he was, was like, I should, he was I super tainted back. at the time yeah he was like but i don't want to make a, a big deal approval rating what? it was still such a big scandal for a year yeah. it was like a year of news and i didn't know until recently is it true that uh lewinsky only came in because of a shutdown she was kind of a scab yes or, she really? was an intern but because of the shutdown her job was to bring the food in if had been if that's how down, that's she how they had met any interaction with probably not or very yeah interesting yeah. interesting i gotta check that out slow burn oh that's the, what's the thing that you watched it's though? just the abc did a thing called the truth and lies and it's like a super deep dive into the whole thing okay i will check that out not sciencey but not sciencey not sciencey blue, blue related the you, action there. you know what else is not sciencey what's that ways that people can find seth Herzog. oh that's so. a little sciencey if you know how to use tech uh technology um hello uh, Instagram, uh, Seth Zog, S-C-T-H-Z-O-G on Instagram, and The Zog on, uh, uh, what do you call it, Twitter. Yeah. And uh, and then they can find you, well, if you get tickets to any taping of if you go to the, the Tonight yeah, Show with yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Tonight Show, I'm there every day. We do four days a week and two shows Thursday. And then I'm doing Sweet Now monthly at uh, the Chelsea Music Hall, which is on 15th Street, I'm last glad, Tuesday of the month. I'm glad you found a new home for that. Yeah, cause... it's a bigger space, so we're doing it monthly and making a bigger deal of it. Awesome. It is. It's one of the best shows out there. It it is. Thank it's you, Andy. It's my first call I'm going to be going. Anytime I know I'm going to be in New York, that's my first thing yeah. that I... Oh, that's a fact. <laughs> you you know, because on the regular, I will pester you about it. Yes, it's great. But, uh, and then, um, as we mentioned, the tour is on, so... Yeah, you guys are going to Australia. Days, hopefully. Uh, yes, yeah, so... I'm trying to think of what else we would want people to actually check the show notes for this episode because we're probably going to put up just a a brief, uh, easy to fill out questionnaire to to see what kind of interest there is in various cities. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so because we want, we, we, you know, we would like to hit as many cities as possible, but also we, you know, there's a couple of places that we would love to go to, but don't want to sort of do a podcast to two people. Yeah. No offense to those two people who right, are, right. I'm sure, lovely and awesome and very happy to show up, but it would also end up costing quite a bit of money. Yeah. So stay tuned. We might put out some mini sods in between just to update on the tour details. But uh, yeah, very excited to come see a bunch of you down there. So. Uh, I guess that's about it. You can follow Matt Kirshen at Matt Kirshen yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. I'm at Andy T. Wood. And you show can find us at show. Probably Science. Yep. Any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover, you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com or you can tweet or Facebook us yeah. as well. And I, I was going to say, uh, we should stop recommending people to rate and review the podcast because I just found out that definitively does nothing to the iTunes charts. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a nice well, to have. But it's still a nice to, thing no, to sure. do. Yeah, I yeah. think if people find us on iTunes but, and see a bunch, see many 
five star reviews and nice write ups, that that makes them more likely yeah. to give us a go. That's true. And I like for for booking reasons when I'm like when I have booked podcasts for things, I do look at the number of reviews as sort of a barometer of how big it is. Yeah. But a listener who I can't remember now sent a link to a podcast where this guy did a deep dive into some of these companies that game podcast ratings. Oh yeah. Like this, I think it's in Bangladesh is mm-hmm. where they all are. Yeah. And the only thing they do is just have a ton of iTunes accounts and they just subscribe from all those. And your podcast will briefly be in the top 10 of the iTunes charts. So it's basically new subscriptions. It's not even downloads. So you can from buy subscriptions for very cheap. You, well, not, you can buy, you can buy your way. You can game your way, breaking the rules onto the top of the iTunes charts. Oh. It only lasts for a couple of days. Um, but the guy who dug into this saw that even some big name real podcasts have definitely done this based on his patterns he's seeing. But yeah, the ratings and reviews, as far as he can tell from, and it's not, no one officially tells you from Apple, but um, he dug into it and saw that ratings and reviews don't affect your chart placement at all. So, interesting. Interesting thing to find out, but we still appreciate people who do that because it yeah, makes, it makes review us look, anyway. feel good. Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate that. Here and, we go. Uh, I think it was Julian Alberto. Okay. Yeah, and says Darknet Diaries, the podcast, and their latest episode, Chartbreakers, talks about how people cheat the Apple algorithm to get their podcast at the top of the charts. It is interesting that the work this guy does to dig into it, and he got gets people on the phone who were working in in Bangladesh doing wow. this stuff. Yeah, wow! Wow! Yeah. So it's worth checking out. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Very very cool. Lots of notes, yeah, guys. Lots of notes. Lots of notes. notes. But Seth, thank you yes. so much for joining. I can't us, thank, thank you guys. This has been the most fun I've had today. <laughs> <laughs> And and the most fun I've had in LA in a long time. Excellent. This is super fun. Good. Super Glad fun. To hear it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming by, man. We'll see you next week. Yeah,